On today's episode, we continue our journey through Grimm's fairy tales with a story titled Little Brother and Little Sister. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast where we dig into the original versions of the folktales and fairy tales that laid the foundation for all of the stories and movies and TV shows that we know and love today, all so that we can better appreciate just how insane these stories really are. So today's story is the next in Grimm's Fairy Tales, which we are slowly working our way through. It's a story titled Little Brother and Little Sister. Let's get right into it. Starting with the title, Little Brother and Little Sister. They can't both be a little brother and little sister. Little is a relative term. There has to be a big brother and little sister, or little brother and big sister. They can't both be the little sibling. Getting caught up in semantics, we begin. A little brother took his little sister, again, this is just confusing, by the hand and said, Ever since our mother died, we've not had one moment of happiness. Okay, it's one of these stories. Our stepmother beats us every day, and when we come near her, she kicks us away with her foot. We get nothing but hard crusts of bread, just leftovers for food, and the dog under the table is better off. At least he gets a good chunk of meat to eat every now and then. Lord have mercy on us, if our mother only knew. Come, let's go off together into the wide world. So we are starting off immediately establishing these two siblings have miserable lives. They make that very, very clear immediately. We continue. So they went away and came to a large forest where they were so sad and so tired that they crept into a hollow tree and just wanted to die from hunger. So not getting themselves into any better of a situation than they left. Well, I guess they're not getting beaten every day, so that's a plus. On the minus side, they're gonna die from hunger. Then they both fell asleep. When they woke the next morning, the sun was already high in the sky and warmed the hollow tree with its rays. Little sister, said the little brother, after a while, I'm thirsty, if only I knew where to find a spring. I'd go and have a drink right away. Listen, I think I hear one trickling. What good will that do? the little sister answered. Why do you want to drink when we just want to die from hunger? Well, at least the little brother is trying to remedy this situation. The sister just seems resigned to die, to starve to death inside a tree. Lots of these stories end up with people getting stuck in trees. And here we are yet again. Let's see how they get out of this one. The little brother kept quiet and climbed out of the hollow tree, and since he always held his sister's hand tightly, she had to climb out with him. Now their evil stepmother was a witch, and when she had noticed that the two children had left, she followed them and caused a clear little stream near the tree to trickle from some rocks and form a spring. The trickling spring was intended to lure the children and make their mouths water, but whoever drank from the spring would be changed into a little fawn. The little brother soon came to the spring with his sister, and when he saw the glittering water trickle over the stones into the spring, 
His thirst became even greater, and he wanted to drink some of the water. However, the little sister was fearful. She thought she heard the spring speak to her as it trickled. Quote, Whoever drinks me will be changed into a fawn. Whoever drinks me will be changed into a fawn. The spring itself is saying this? These are quotation marks. The spring itself is saying this. Except only she can hear, so she begged her little brother not to drink the water. This is a terrible illusion that this witch is casting if the illusion is literally saying what the trap is. Sentient illusion saying, no, back off, this is a trap. But the brother, I don't hear anything, said the little brother. I just hear how lovely the water is trickling. Let me go. Oh, God. Upon saying this, he lay down on the ground, leaned over, and drank. And as soon as he felt the first drop of water on his lips, he was changed into a little fawn sitting beside the spring. The little sister wept and wept. However, the witch was angry that she hadn't been able to lure the little sister to drink the water as well. After the girl wept for three days, she stood up, gathered some bulrushes. She wept for three days. Well, she's really dehydrated now. And if she hasn't had any water, I think three days is about how long you can survive without having to drink water. So she's done. Realistically, this girl is dead. However, the story continues. Girl wept for three days. She stood up, gathered some bulrushes, and wove them into a soft rope. What are bulrushes? Gonna look that up really quick. So bulrushes are those those long pieces of grass that have the corn dog looking thing at the top of them. They're by bodies of water often. So she took a bunch of those corn dog, corn dog grass, corn dog grass. Let's just call it corn dog grass and wove it into a soft rope. Then she attached it to the little fawn and led him with her. So now she's got cool fawn brother. It's pretty, pretty dope. She looked for a cave, and when she found one, she carried moss and foliage inside and made a soft bed for him. The next morning, she went out with the fawn to a place with tender grass, and there she gathered the most beautiful grass, which he ate out of her hand. The fawn was delighted and romped about on the hills. Hey, little fawn brother is pretty happy as a fawn, it turns out. That's a nice twist. In the evening, when the little sister was tired, she laid her head on the back of the fawn. It was her pillow, and this is how she fell asleep. If only her brother could have retained his human form, it would have been a wonderful life. Well, they were starving and completely dehydrated with no water or food. It wasn't a wonderful life. They were dying of hunger and thirst, and there has been no solution presented for her finding food. Fawn has eaten grass. Apparently he's fine with that. She has not found any sort of food source. Maybe she's eating grass as well. It's just sort of glossing over that fact. Saying just, if only the brother had retained his human form. No, things were really rough, even when the brother was in his human form. Anyway... For many years, they lived like this in the forest. For many years? And he's just remaining a fawn? Okay, alright, moving on. Then one day, the king went out on a hunt, and when he became lost, he stumbled upon the maiden with the little animal in the forest and was amazed by her beauty. 
All right. This is like the third time in, this is the 11th story of Grimm's Fairy Tales, and this is like the third time where a king finds a random girl out in the middle of the forest. And presumably in this one, he's going to make her his queen again as well. The only difference here is she can actually speak. In the previous stories, through some reason, through some turn of events, the girl who's abandoned and stranded in the forest doesn't have the ability to speak anymore and was made mute by some terrible ordeal or circumstance. At least in this story, she can speak. She does have a little fawn brother. I wonder how she's going to explain that, or if she's just going to be like, oh, it's just my pet. We're buddies. Let's not get too much into the details there. So he was amazed by her beauty, this king. He lifted her up onto his horse and took her with him, while the fawn, attached by the rope, ran alongside. So apparently the fawn has not grown at all and is still just a fawn. But come on, hold the fawn on the horse. That's kind of a dick move, making the fawn run alongside the horse. Fawns are tiny. Horses are giant. Seems unnecessary. Just just hold the fawn. Poor bro. Anyway, at the royal court, the maiden was treated with honor. Beautiful young women had to serve her, but she herself was more beautiful than any of the other ladies. Seems like a... Needless detail. She never let the fawn out of her sight, and she tended him with care. Shortly after her arrival, the queen mother died, and the king wed the sister, and they lived together in great joy. However, the stepmother had heard about the good fortune of the poor little sister. She had thought that the maiden had long since been torn to pieces by wild beasts, but they had never done anything to her. Indeed, the maiden was now the queen of the realm. So I guess the stepmother just saw the brother turn into a fawn and said, Oh well, I had my go. I'll just let the wild beasts tear them apart from here. Just sort of put them out of sight, out of mind after that. Just had her one one spring trick, and then just decided to call it a day. Anyway, moving on. So the maiden was the new queen of the realm. The witch was so angry about this that she could only think of some way she might ruin the queen's happiness. As all stepmothers and witches are wont to do in these stories, when the queen gave birth to a handsome prince the next year, and the king was out hunting, the witch appeared in the form of a chambermaid and entered the room where the queen was recovering from the birth. There was no one, no type of security in this room, no one monitoring who's going in and out of the room, where the queen is recovering from giving birth to the prince. Seems like an oversight. But oh well. The bath has been prepared for you, she said. It will do you good and strengthen you. Come before the water becomes too cold. The witch led the queen into the bathroom and locked the door behind her. Inside there was a brutally hot fire, and the queen was suffocated to death. Well, that was rather unceremonious. There was no build-up. There was no suspense. They just killed her off like that. Wow, okay. Queen is gone. Queen is suffocated to death by a hot fire. So I guess the smoke is what did it? Brutal. Hmm, all right. Now the witch had a daughter of her own. I guess that was a glossed-over detail from their early days. This, this story really is just kind of making it up as it goes along, it feels like. 
Anyway, the witch had a daughter of her own, and she endowed her with the outward shape of the queen and laid her in bed in place of the queen. In the evening, when the king returned home, he didn't realize that he had a false wife. But in the night, and the nurse saw this, the real queen appeared in the room. The nurse saw this. Another unmentioned character up until now. The queen entered the room. She went to the cradle, lifted the child to her breast, and suckled him. Then she plumped up his tiny mattress, laid the baby in the cradle again, and covered him. After this, she went into the corner where the fawn slept and stroked his back. This was how she came and went every night without saying a word. So now we just have Ghost Queen? Not even Ghost Queen. She's picking up the baby and suckling the baby and plumping the mattress and stroking the fawn's back. So she can do everything as normal. She's just not speaking. So now we just have Ghost Queen. This is ridiculous. How is this happening? There's no explanation for this whatsoever. Okay, one time, however, she entered again and said, How's my child? How's my fawn? Twice more I'll come, then I'll be gone. Okay, we have a ticking clock. Then she did what she had usually done the other nights. Which is, I suppose, take care of the baby and the fawn, and then leave again without saying a word. Meanwhile, the nurse woke the king and told him secretly what had occurred. So the next night, the king kept watch, and he too saw how the queen came, and he clearly heard her words. How's my child? How's my fawn? Once more I'll come, then I'll be gone. However, he didn't dare speak to her. Why not? Why not speak to her? Also, can she not see him? Queen is just appearing here, taking care of the people in the room. The king is just there, just waiting. She doesn't notice that. Ghost Queen doesn't notice the king hanging out, staring at her. And what's going on with the new queen? Presumably, new queen is not as kind and attentive towards the fawn as original queen would be. How is this new queen holding up her end of the of the bargain in terms of playing the part of original queen? Because she's just stepping into the life of this original queen. She would have none of the knowledge of any conversations that were had previously between the king and the queen. Doesn't know anything about the fawn. Doesn't even know anything about the baby that she just had. How, how would this new girl be at all convincing in terms of taking on the role of the original queen? Very unbelievable. Not mentioned at all. Not surprising. Anyway, where were we? So he didn't dare speak to the queen. And the following night, he kept watch again. And the queen said, how's my child? How's my fawn? There's no more time. Soon, I'll be gone. The king could no longer restrain himself. He sprang forth and embraced her, and as soon as he touched her, she was restored to life, rosy red and well. The false queen was led into the forest where the wild beasts devoured her. The evil stepmother was burned at the stake, and as the fire consumed her, the fawn was transformed, and brother and sister were once again together and lived happily until the end of their days. Well, they wrapped that one up real quick. They were setting all these strands. There were ghosts coming into play. There were secret queens taking the place in the body of old queens. And then all of a sudden, he touches her. 
She comes back to normal. False queen gets torn apart by a wild beast. Stepmother's burned at the stake. Fawn is trans. I don't know how they found the stepmother. How they tracked her down. Fawn was transformed. Brother and sister are fine. Wraps up real nice and tightly with a bow in the last paragraph. Takes care of it in three sentences. Real quick. All right. That's it. That is little brother and little sister. Now for the autopsy. So little brother and little sister living with a terrible evil stepmother who gives them only leftover food and beats them every day. Pretty shitty life. They escape and are starving in a hollow tree, which again happens a lot in these stories. Lots of people stranded in the middle of the forest living in hollow trees on the verge of death. The brother says, let's go find some water. The sister just says, no, let's just die here. Pretty cynical and pessimistic from the sister. Sister's the hero from here on out, but at this particular juncture, the brother is the only one trying to survive this situation. However, the spring that they come across is just a trick by the witch, an illusion, albeit a very terrible illusion, because it is an illusion that tells the people that it's trying to trick, that it's trying to trick them. Nonetheless, the brother is so blinded by his thirst, or the daughter just has some type of superpower, can hear magic, can hear illusions, can cut through the nonsense. I don't know, she could turn into a ghost later on, so maybe she's got some magic powers or something. Don't know what's going on there. The brother then drinks the water and turns into a fawn, and he is a fawn for the rest of the story. He doesn't age as a deer at that point to become an older deer. He's just a fawn. He's just a baby deer for the rest of his life until he gets transformed. Years. They live there for years. It's actually shockingly easy for the little sister to move on with life and find a pretty good living situation in the forest after the fawn brother becomes fawn brother. She immediately finds a cave, gets some grass, and then they're just fine for years. All of the hunger and thirst problems previously mentioned when brother was a human, those are just taken care of. No no worries, nothing anymore. Life is good with fawn brother. And as always happens in these stories, the king is on a hunting party, finds the girl, says, oh my god, she's the most beautiful girl in the universe, because apparently every woman living in the middle of the forest is just the most beautiful maiden in the world. And then he takes her home, she's the queen now. Always happens in these stories, forest girl becomes queen immediately. This is when the stepmother witch hears about this, somehow knows that it's the same maiden who escaped her her home. Actually, if you heard that, hey, there's this girl that was found in the forest with a fawn, and she's queen now, there's only one duo of young girl and fawn. That's pretty... Pretty clear giveaway of who this is. So yeah, that makes sense that she would immediately know that this is that girl. So then she sets about figuring out some way to, quote, ruin the queen's happiness. There's really no reason why she should be ruining the queen's happiness. We don't know the what happened prior to the events of the story, though. They, they reference, the brother references, if only our mother knew when he's convincing the little sister to to leave the stepmother initially. 
So we don't know who the brother and sister's actual mother is, her relation to the stepmother. Maybe their history, the stepmother and the actual birth mother of the siblings, is why the stepmother witch is now so vengeful and hate-filled towards this brother and sister and feels the need to ruin their happiness. I think we need an origin story here, is what I'm saying. In any event, Queen's plan is I'm going to be a maid, a chambermaid, sweep in after the queen gives birth to a prince, say that I made a bath. So she has full access to this castle facilities, all of the castle facilities. She makes a bath. She's going all over the place doing stuff. So the security in this castle is terrible. Not only do they not vet this chambermaid, who's coming into the the queen's chambers immediately after, immediately after the queen gave birth. Horribly unacceptable. She's also building fires in the bath. That's not, that's not okay. A brutally hot fire. Quote, brutally hot fire. That suffocates the queen. So there's a ton of smoke then. And this woman just comes in, builds a brutally hot fire, takes the queen there, so there's no one watching any part of this castle. No one's keeping an eye on the queen. No one's keeping an eye on anything. What about the fawn? The queen never leaves sight of the fawn, they say. Wouldn't the fawn see all of this happening? Maybe go and get help? Come on, fawn brother. Pick up some slack here. Queen's doing all the work and improving your lot in life. You must be seeing this go on. I'm also a little interested in what Fawn is doing on a daily basis, now that he is, like, royal Fawn. He's the first Fawn of the kingdom. And how did the sister explain all of this, her relationship to this eternal Fawn to the king? How is she explaining this? Because this Fawn does not age, and she is extremely close to it. She's got to come up with some kind of story to explain that, because that makes no sense. But anyway... The stepmother comes in, builds this fire, gets the queen in there, suffocates her to death immediately, and then switches out her own daughter, previously unmentioned, in place of the queen, and makes her look exactly like the queen. And I guess her own daughter is an extremely good actress and just manages to completely bullshit her way as the queen, because no one realizes at any point, just kind of says more about the king than it does about anyone else that he didn't notice that this is literally a completely different person with different memories, or at least no memories of anything they've ever talked about ever before. Maybe she's just explaining like, oh, giving birth was so terrible or so traumatic that my I forget a lot of things now. I don't know what it's like having had a baby recently, so the king can't judge. Queen could probably guilt trip him and just say, you don't know what it's like. I just had your baby. How dare you? I'm having a hard time remembering things. Just get off my back. That would work. That actually would totally work. Anyway, at night, and the nurse is seeing this, the real queen just appears in the room. There's no explanation for the mechanism by which this is happening. She's not a ghost because she is physically interacting with all this stuff. She shows up. She takes care of the baby. She takes care of the fawn, and then she leaves. And then she says this little rhyme, how's my child, how's my fawn, twice more I'll come, then I'll be gone. 
Nurse gets the king. He comes and sees this. Comes again. Once more, I'll be gone. And then the last time, apparently, because they just need some urgency, I guess, in this story, the king can't contain himself, springs forth and embraces her, and then literally every problem is solved. Immediately. She is restored to life, rosy and well, quote, there's no explanation for how any of this is happening. And I can only surmise that her birth mother, the evil witch stepmother's, let's say, I'm just going to guess, sister, was also a witch and imbued her children with some type of magic ability. And that's why this daughter is magic and can hear the trickling well and its true intentions to trick them and can become a ghost when she was suffocated to death and still say stay in this sort of mortal realm and appear and now come back to life when she is touched by her true love, I suppose. But yeah, that's how it happens. Everything works out from there. False Queen was led into the forest where the wild beasts devoured her. Pretty brutal. We don't know how much she actually had to do with motivating all of these things, though. Maybe it was the evil stepmother just forcing her to do this. In which case, kind of an unjust end. We don't, really, we don't have any information about this random daughter of the stepmother. No information whatsoever. So maybe this is a deserving end. Maybe she kind of got a shit deal. She had the evil stepmother as well. That must have not been easy. She clearly had it better than this little brother and little sister. But still, maybe she didn't want to be queen. Maybe she didn't want to look completely different and like this other person. Maybe she had a good thing going back home. Who knows? Maybe she didn't deserve to get devoured by wild beasts in the forest. Then the evil stepmother was burned at the stake. And then as the fire consumed her, the fawn was transformed back into a human. This dude would be pretty messed up, though, this brother. He has been living as a fawn for years at this point. That's a pretty intense adjustment back to being a human being. Let's hear a bit about that. But anyway, it says they're together again and lived happily until the end of their days. So it all works out. Good for them. So what is the lesson? The lesson I think they're intending to give is about taking care of your family and taking care of the people around you, because essentially the little sister taking care of the fawn and then taking care of the prince, that's sort of what gives her her eternal life, it seems like. Like, she comes back as ghost queen to take care of the baby and then to stroke the fawn's back. So it's the love for her family that gives her eternal life and so I think the lesson that it's intending to give is if you love and care for the people around you, that you will be eternally rewarded. I think the real lesson here, though, is be more proactive with your problem solving. The first time any of the characters other than the stepmother try to do anything is when the king springs forth and embraces the queen. Previously, the sister just, first she is resigned to death. The brother is the only one who says, let's go out and get some water and not die of hunger in this tree. But then, when the brother turns into a fawn, the sister makes no attempt to try to turn him back, or to try and seek some sort of solution to this. She's just like, okay, I guess we live like this in the forest now. That's all there is to it. And then she just kind of takes everything as it comes, 
which conveniently leads to her being queen. But then when she is killed by the stepmother, and then the nurse and the king see this ghost queen coming, they don't do anything until the very end. They don't do anything. Night after night, Ghost Queen comes until she starts doing this countdown, and then the nurse is like, okay, I guess I should tell somebody. That's when she decides, maybe I should do something about this, I'm going to tell the king. And still, the king sees this happen, sees the Ghost Queen enter, and doesn't do anything. It's only the very end, when it seems like she's never going to come back again, that he jumps forward, touches her, and then all of the problems are solved. Maybe if anyone took any steps to try to fix any of these problems before this, it wouldn't have gotten to this point. So the only one really driving any of the plot, or doing anything actively, is the stepmother. So maybe if little sister, or little brother, or king, or anybody, nurse, anyone, maybe if any of them were actually trying to take steps to fixing problems and finding solutions for these animal transformations and ghost queens, maybe things would be moving in the right direction if people were trying to solve problems. Instead of just sort of, oh, there's a ghost queen. That's weird. Not going to mention anything about that. Until there's a ticking clock. Oh, my brother's a fawn. Well, I guess he's a fawn now. Nothing we can do about this. No. Be more proactive in your problem-solving. That is the true lesson of Little Brother and Little Sister. Alright, let's adapt this. It's going to be a mini-series. Mini-series, or like 8-10 to episode series. And we're actually going to start with the story of the stepmother and her sister, who will be the mother of the titular little brother and little sister. Those will be played by Tilda Swinton as evil stepmother and Helen McCrory as the good mother, who we don't know what happens to her. Maybe she's still out there somewhere. We just don't know what happens to her. That would actually be a nice hook for the end. Maybe they hear something about their real mother, off in the distance. Or she shows up at the end, and that's the cliffhanger of the first season. But anyway, getting ahead of ourselves. Starts off, first episode or two are just about the two sisters. Then something happens, and in unclear circumstances, the good sister, Helen McCrory, disappears, and her two children, little brother and little sister, are left with... Evil Tilda Swinton. And you know what? I don't want to cast children actors, so we're just going to do forced perspective, making adult actors look small, like Lord of the Rings style. And speaking of Lord of the Rings, the little brother will be played by Elijah Wood. Love it. Let's do that. And little sister will be played by Isla Fisher. I like Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher's great. Also, she's pretty small. So wouldn't need as much work with the forced perspective to make her look small. There we go. After the events of the first couple episodes with the two sisters and Helen McCrory's sister disappears, it's when a little brother and little sister are both very young or maybe even infants, 
And then we cut forward a few years or a while, 10, 15 years. And that is when we rejoin the story. And Isla Fisher and Elijah Wood are like, this sucks. Tilda Swinton is terrible. Let's get out of here. They leave. Elijah Wood gets turned into a fawn. That's pretty fun. And then they live in the forest for a while. We have some interesting, fun scenes of them living in the forest and becoming one with nature. There's kind of a nice duality of man and nature sort of being intertwined with the brother being turned into a fawn. It's sort of two sides of ourselves, our natural side and our cerebral side with the little sister and the little brother. And I don't know, there's there's some nice thematic elements to play with there. King shows up. Let's have King be Henry Golding. I like Henry Golding. He's a great prince or great king sort of character. He shows up and says, hey, you with the fawn there, your very beautiful maiden. Come on back with me. Let's be let's be king and queen. That'll be cool. And then they do that. And then Tilda Swinton shows up again, disguised as the chambermaid. That'll be a reveal, though. We won't. The chambermaid will come in, and we won't know until later that it was Tilda Swinton. She'll do. She'll put put Isla Fisher into the into the bath with the fire. It'll get hot, and then we'll cut to outside of the bath, the chambermaid locking the door and giving a devilish look, and then we'll see the Tilda Swinton eyes, and we will know. And then we have which stepmother's daughter entering the picture. She'll be Natalie Dormer. She's fantastic in these types of roles. Then again, she's only appearing for a very short amount of time before she actually just becomes Isla Fisher. And that actually is going to be an interesting sequence. Fake queen trying to pass off as original queen. So we can do an episode or two like that. And then Isla Fisher starts coming back as ghost queen in the night. And the nurse is seeing her. And the nurse will be played by, I don't know, Jodie Comer. She's good. And then Nurse Jodie Comer tells Henry Golding what's going on with the Ghost Queen. He springs forth. She becomes real again. I think that we actually have some interesting things going on with False Queen versus Original Queen. And I think it would be more interesting if False Queen actually isn't just a terrible, evil person, but actually is sort of a victim as well of Tilda Swinton, evil stepmother, and she and Isla Fisher maybe even strike up a friendship and maybe are a little competitive, but also get along. Then they go about trying to track down the evil Tilda Swinton. And let's actually have a few episodes of that journey and that and build up to sort of the final battle and confrontation. We don't get a battle or a confrontation in the original story. Let's do that. In the forest, that's where it'll go down, the final confrontation. Ended where it began. And so they get the evil stepmother... Burner at the stake. Fawn is transformed back into Elijah Wood, except he's kind of weird now because he's been a fawn for a really long time. And then it seems like we'll live happily ever after. And then there's a hint of some other evil in the world. And also maybe Helen McCrory shows up. Or maybe there's just some some word of the original original mother. Maybe she actually is, is doing something elsewhere, and maybe she is somehow evil now, and there's something that's that's coming, some evil force that's coming, and that'll be the cliffhanger of season one. And yeah, I think you could do more with this. 
I think there's some funny sequences with in the future with Elijah Wood as Fawn Boy. There's 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 stuff to play with. There's material that could extend the the life of this show. There's more to more to be had, I think. So let's do a series. This will be a series. And let's do I don't know. This strikes me as a Netflix kind of thing. Seems more fun, seems more showy, seems lighter somehow. So I think it's a Netflix deal. So there we go. That's how we adapt it. That's how we do it. Netflix show, book it. And that will do it for this week's episode. Next week, we will get into Rapunzel. This is the first story that is one of the classics that we all know, I think. We've had some fun ones. This is the first one that has been told and retold and reinvented a million times. And that will be in next week's episode. So thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. That really helps us out. Also, I'd love to hear any of your own adaptation ideas on Instagram or Twitter or any of those places. You can check out the website, ShadowbirdStorySessions.com. You can donate. You can contact me, give me some feedback or suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. And that will do it for this week's episode. Again, my name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Thank you.